Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, a CME podcast series where each week we translate today's late-breaking clinical research and news into tomorrow's practice. I'm Frank Domino, professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health at the University of Massachusetts Medical School and editor-in-chief of the 5-Minute Clinical Consult series. Be sure to visit primed.com podcast after the discussion for more information about today's article and to claim CME CE credit. Jamie is here for follow-up with you today. She's a 45-year-old female, pre-diabetic, and is encouraged by the five pounds she's lost since her last visit. However, she finds it's been a struggle. She works as a med surge nurse, and with the pandemic, she's feeling pressure both at home and at work more than ever, and she really wants to have a cigarette again. She's noticed intermittent heartburn and is taking Tums a few times a week. What else can she do to get rid of her heartburn? Hi, this is Frank Domino, and joining me today is Dr. Jill Terrian, Associate Professor and Associate Dean of Interprofessional and Community Partnerships at the University of Massachusetts Graduate School of Nursing. Good morning, Jill. Good morning, Frank. I often think that almost all healthcare professionals have GERD or irritable bowel syndrome or both. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't agree more with you, Frank, being in those categories. Yeah, I I mean, it's fascinating. So, um, some new research about GERD. What do we know about GERD and how it relates to, to, to patients? We know that it's, it's a common condition. So just as you were talking about, it, it affects about 30% of the U.S. population. So it's common. Uh, we do know that patients do self-diagnose, much like Jamie. And they also self-treat uh, with a variety of over-the-counter products, PPIs, H2RAs, even TUMs that we mentioned in our case. But there's really little data that looks forward at how we can look at preventing GERD, not just preventing it, but kind of talking about what risk factors can they control that lead up to it. So what we know is that they did uh, the Nurses Health Study too, and they looked at 43,000 women, and they were between the ages of 42 and 62, and they queried them about acid reflux or heartburn. And what they do is the Nurses Health Study has terrific follow-up. And they looked at this um, in the years 2005 to 2017. And what they do is they send out these questionnaires every four years on a lot of data points. So this study that we're talking about today is a piece of what they ask about on those questionnaires. Great. And, and that, oh, yep, it, go ahead. No, and it looks like they excluded women who didn't have um, GERD symptoms or were regular uh, PPI or H2 uh, antagonist users. So it, 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 we're looking at a group of women primarily without GERD, correct? Correct. Correct. They could not have any weekly symptoms of GERD. The other thing is they could not have cancer. And if they lacked any of their dietary data, they were excluded from the study. And then they followed them forward. So what, what did the study find after, after all those years? They found that there were five factors that actually lowered the risk of GERD in women. And those included a normal BMI, so between 18 and a half and less than 25, that they had never smoked, that they performed moderate to vigorous exercise, and they defined that as greater than 30 minutes a day. They did not have more than two cups of coffee, tea, or soda a day, and that they followed a prudent diet. 
And that prudent diet included, you know, rich in fruits, vegetables, nuts, whole grains, legumes, and low-fat dairy products, fish, and lean cuts of meat. Wow. So th those sound like healthy lifestyles we want to have all our patients follow. So that's great. Um, how did following all those risk factors um, influence the diagnosis of GERD? If you had all of those factors, mm -hmm. they called that an anti-reflux lifestyle, that you had uh, decreased your chances by 40% of getting GERD. Okay, so if you did none of those, but I got to tell you, I, uh, I'm pretty good with many of them, but uh, all of them has got to be pretty uncommon. How about, you know, if you had uh, a few of them? You mean if you practiced a few of them, let's say you didn't smoke and that right. you didn't have more than two cups of caffeine a day, yeah. you would, they actually, they actually calculated that. It's a percentage for each one of them. Mm -hmm. But if you had two of them, you lowered it to about 20%. Okay, so 40% with none of them, 20% with two of them. Okay, I, I guess, you know, that's at least encouraging. We can, we can tell patients, look, here are the things that make your risks for GERD go up. Um, what can we do? Let's pick one. Let's pick two. Let's see if we can make a change. And, and some of these things are things that, like I said, affect other parts of our, of our job. So we want to encourage Jamie and, and all of our patients to, to follow most of these things. Um, what, what, what are we going to do with Jamie today? Jamie told us a few things that are really encouraging, even with this stress and even with the heartburn and she has managed to lose five pounds. So I want to know more about that. And I want to praise her for that. I want to praise her for also not smoking and coming in and saying, I want a cigarette, help me, right? right? So we want to praise her for what she's doing and the stress she's under and the tremendous work she's doing at this time. It's, it's a real challenge for everybody. So keep going, whatever you're doing, and do not, do not smoke. I'd want to know, what did she use in the past? I mean, how much was she smoking in the past? And how did she quit before? And who supports her in this endeavor? And she's a nurse, but I think we have to remember that even healthcare providers need advisement from their healthcare provider. We need to allow them to be in the patient role. They really want to hear from us. She will tell you if she does not, but nurses and other healthcare providers want to be patients. And it's our role as their healthcare provider to, to allow them to be in that role and not assume that they know everything. So, you know, talking about her respiratory system, her vascular system, and she's pre-diabetic. So we want to preserve and, um, you know, prevent further complications. So we're going to look at her dietary history and the use of Tums. We really don't want her to use Tums um, on, a, on a regular basis. And we want to recommend that anti-reflux lifestyle. So the smoking cessation we talked about, let's talk about physical activity. We can talk about those five factors of anti-reflux and see what she thinks she can tackle between now and our next visit. And, and are we gonna go ahead and treat her? What do you think, with a medication? I think, I think we should. I think mm -hmm. we should treat her. We're, we're in the middle of a pandemic and this is not going away tomorrow. So this is gonna continue. So she's identifying that stress with work. And I think we should treat her. I think we should uh, give her, based on the GERD guidelines, that we should give her a PPI for eight weeks and treat her empirically and see what her symptoms are. 
I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I think um, the, the the concerns about about uh, the regular tum use should prompt us to go ahead and start a medication. But um, it's funny when people get on those meds, boy, they're like, wow, I feel great. And they they kind of ignore the lifestyle changes that we need to focus on. I love the fact that you think you you brought up the point that we're all healthcare providers and sometimes we need to be patients and we need our providers to not assume that they don't have to tell us don't smoke exercise 30 minutes a day and so forth. So I actually I really like your approach. I agree that getting her on a PPI daily for 8 weeks is the way to go and then try to wean her off to an H2 antagonist maybe regularly and then PRN. Um uh, and, and the guidelines do say that if, if things recur very quickly or um, never get fully suppressed, she probably needs further evaluation and possibly an EGD. Um, what else can we do to help our friend Jamie here today? Well, I'm thinking about, you know, how can you not think about the pandemic personally and what it's done to me? The technology explosion because of you know, the lack of people being able to get together, they've used Zoom, they've been emailing more than they probably usually do and texting. Does Jamie like an app? Would she use an app? Is there an app that can help her? So I would explore that. There are several of them that are free. Uh, and so I would encourage that, any sort of help for her. Does she wanna join any sort of uh, weight loss group or exercise group? Is there something at her work or something in her local community that could be offered. I'm not big on spending a lot of money joining various uh, gyms or, but if that's what would motivate her, um, I mean, maybe gyms are a bad spot right now because of their decreased <laughs> <laughs> decreased yeah. percentage of, of who they can have there. But I think knowing her and not just assuming, you know, hey, you can just do this on your own. She might need a help. Also is who's in her home? Who's her support? And what do they do? Can this be done together? So I think there are a lot of different ways of looking at this. Would she use a food and activity tracker? Uh, anything like that, because we know that there's a lot out there and I would help her with that. I think you're absolutely right. I think uh, we need we need healthy ways to to be social with each other. And if an app will help, I'm all for it. Um, well, Jill, um, I think this study really brings home the fact that we as providers need to use the best tool we have, and that's our, our words of counseling. So thank you very much, and um, I will do my best to try to get my BMI and, and stop taking Tums. <laughs> thank you, Frank. Practice pointer. Reinforce with patients when you diagnose and treat symptoms associated with gastroesophageal reflux that lifestyle changes are very important in managing the diagnosis and managing the treatment going forward. These include maintaining a healthy weight, not smoking, exercise, limiting caffeine and soda, and eating a prudent diet. Join us next time when we discuss onychomycosis and the use of topical agents as their treatment. Thank you for listening to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, brought to you by PrimeMed. To claim credit and receive additional information about the article referenced in today's episode, visit primemed.com slash podcast and see you next week.